And if you bring this back to our patient, unfortunately, my opinion, my observation is the more we can do is considered a success rather than the outcome, which we are not going to be able to change. Um, and so I, I think if, if we're going to change this, it's going to take more than the philosophical understanding or the thinking part of it. It's got to really take a cultural shift. It's got to be a cognitive transformation at the highest level of our leadership in our society. You're listening to Parallax from Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. Here is your host, Ankur Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Parallax. I do apologies for the sound quality. I actually have um, a, a bad throat, but that does not preclude me from recording another episode of Parallax uh, with a very, very dear friend and colleague, uh, which um, I've had the privilege to know just recently, and I'm going to introduce him now for our listenership. Um, so our guest on Parallax today is Dr. Anna Waker. Anandan Anna Waker is professor of medicine at the Mayo Clinic. Um, he's affiliated with both departments of cardiovascular medicine and radiology at the Mayo Clinic. He's a cardiologist. He has an interest in um, self-exploration and inner journey and, and self-inquiry. And that is where we both connected. Um, he also happens to be the program director of the General Cardiovascular Disease Fellowship Program at the Mayo Clinic and is affiliated with Global Cardiology University. Um, which is a, a passion project of his uh, because he has a deep interest in education. So um, with that introduction, Nandan, welcome to Parallax. And I'm, I'm so glad that we um, actually have a chance to to do this for the listenership of Parallax because I know we've connected so deeply on so many aspects of um, self-inquiry and inner exploration and and philosophy at a deeper level. So thank you so much for doing this for us. No, th thank you so much, Ankur. Um, I, as I mentioned, um, uh, this is a, a, a huge privilege for me. Um, and uh, again, uh, uh, our sort of meeting, although virtually uh, on many occasions now, I see that as a, a as a great blessing uh, for me. So, so thank you very much. Oh no, the the pleasure is mine, and you know, I've just had uh, the honor and the privilege to know you through some of our common, uh, you know, friends and, and connections, and obviously we've. We've now um, interacted uh, quite a bit on email and, you know, hopefully have a paper coming out soon in, in one of the high impact journals in, in cardiovascular medicine. Um, so Nandan, I, I think I should probably begin this episode by asking you, and, you know, we were talking offline about this, uh, and that is in 2023, the way medicine is, is thought about and the way, the way medicine is practiced, the way medicine is innovated, why do you think is... Um, a topic like inner exploration or inner journey or self-inquiry um, important um, for, I, I personally think for every clinician and every physician to be a, to be a better advocate for their patients, to be a better clinician at the bedside, to be a better clinical investigator when it comes to clinical investigation. Why do you think inner exploration and inner journey are important topics for for medicine. Um, I, I think that's uh, that's a, a, a very profound um, uh, question. Number one, 
Uh, number two, um, I think uh, that the inner journey um, and a contemplative uh, state of being, I think, is essential and fundamental for for any human being across the spectrum of of their profession or, or whatever they may be doing. Having said that, I think it is extremely important for a physician because a physician is primarily involved in uh, the care of the human being, right? And and if we believe, uh, if we truly, truly believe that the human being is but uh, the flesh, um, um, then uh, there's nothing that really distinguishes the physician from, for example, a mechanic that works on on, on a piece of technology. So the question really is um, uh, something that has been with us uh, time immemorial, right? Um, there is a series of questions. Unfortunately, we only spend less than 1% of our time thinking about these questions. And this question is, who am I? Um, what is this world that I you know, reside in or interact with? What is this potential God? And then what is the interaction between all of these factors. Now, um, you know, there are uh, resources that can help one on the journey, but the journey in itself is inward uh, in nature. Um, and for that reason, if we have to understand ourselves first, I think that puts us in a better position now from a professional standpoint as a clinician, as a physician, to look after our, our patients. Um, and for cardiologists uh, such as you and you and I, many of our patients that, that we come across are at the, um, you know, could be at the terminal end, um, you know, of, of the life. And and how we deal with that um, needs to be tempered, um, you know, and, and I think cardiology in particular is on the brink of excessive testing and procedures um, um, when we know that, uh, you know, the, the, the end point um, is looking directly in front of us. Yes, you know, just uh, eloquently put, um... I mean, I started having these questions, um, um, you know, asking these questions, certainly of, you know, who am I and what is my role in this, in this world? And what is the purpose of the interaction that I have with medicine and with this world and, and with patients, you know, back in 2018, uh, which I think was, a, uh, was a transformative year for me. That's exactly the year this my journey began. It's it's I I just struck me. I, it's exactly the same time it happened for me. Uh, so we we sort of were um, on parallel paths, and they sort of have crossed now, which I'm very grateful for. Um, and uh, you know, my 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 question to you, um, you you mentioned something, uh, you know, to the order of excessive diagnostic testing and excessive procedures. And, you know, we are in this, uh, in this journey in cardiovascular medicine, particularly with the advent of transcatheter therapies. And, you know, by no means um, I am trying to belittle the advances technology has made and, and the innovation, you know, our procedural, procedural colleagues have, <clears throat> have endured. I mean, by all means, this is all, this is all great technology and it has tremendously helped you know, patients prolong lives. But, you know, to your point of at the brink where it may just be a little too excessive, uh, you know, as a proceduralist myself, I've had those questions, uh, you know, I've, I've had those questions, you know, when I've gone to bed, uh, you know, at night, 
that you know okay i'm 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 seeing this 88 year old um you know otherwise frail woman uh, with severe mitral regurgitation and you know granted she has some left ventricular systolic dysfunction and we have her on guideline directed medical therapy which has made huge advances um but despite that i now have this device which you know the trials have shown may offer her you know benefit you know as far as the the clinical the, the natural progression of disease or the clinical course of the disease is concerned um but philosophically fundamentally i've had these questions you know am i really really offering her something which is going to be um you know transformative for her in terms of her in terms of you know longevity in terms of um what she may want to do with the remaining years of her life and i've just had those questions because you know these technologies come at a price and you know sure we have access to them and they're being covered and you know who am i to um not offer a particular therapy to a patient and that's where the physician patient interaction is so important but you know philosophically i've had those questions that our resources better put in handling a disease state which is going to lend itself anyways in a few years down the road for this particular individual where on the other side of the globe you know 7000 miles away there are young kids dying of hunger um and you know these are important philosophical questions and i'm i'm obviously taking the eagle's eye view but i wanted to get your insight into into this philosophy as someone who has been on a path of you know self inquiry and exploration how do you philosophically handle these issues i'm sure they come up um in your practice as well does that make sense it does it does it it absolutely does and i think i think that um it's it's very important um um especially for 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 thinkers in our society to continue to think but without imposing uh their thoughts construct um on those that they uh connect with um and i think that's extremely crucial for people um in in our position as physicians because our patients depend upon us um in terms of objectivity now when you talk about the philosophical uh, sort of aspect of things i'll you know personally i'll i'll tell you my opinion of myself uh if i'm talking about the organ you know my heart is me but i am not my heart so i think that i am beyond i am more than just the the flesh and bones um but to get to that point i think is different for different people um if you think about um for example um some of the 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 the, the cultures um in in um different religions they work on the basis of stories um stories begin um uh in a manner that can be useful for a wide range of audience at the lowest level if you tell a story to a kid they'll take it as a literal um uh, story so for example let me tell you a, a story that i was told when i was a kid and it was about a uh, a uh, a uh, uh, hindu god um his name is shiva and he has two sons and so both of the sons were were sort of wanting of of their father's love and said tell us exactly what can we do to prove that one of us is the best son and so shiva says well the one who can 
you know, run around the entire universe um, and, and comes first, they will win my love. Okay. Or something along those lines. Um, and so one of his sons has a peacock as a, as a vehicle and is as fast as lightning. And the other son um, has a mouse. And uh, this other son, uh, his name is Ganesha, and he's a heavy, heavy set guy. So he's sitting on this mouse. And so the first son flies away on the peacock and goes all over all the galaxies, all the universe. And um, this other son, Ganesha, is on his mouse and he, and he goes along in his very slow way. And so finally an end comes and um, the first son comes back and says, hey, I see Ganesha hasn't even moved. And so this definitely means I must have won. And then uh, Shiva says, no, in fact, um, Ganesha has finished the task. And uh, how was this possible? And Ganesha went around uh, or circumambulated his parents. And so for the for the kids, I think this gives a lesson about the importance of parents. Okay, so that's that's at one level of symbolism. But if you take um, it at a more higher philosophical level, um, the message here is that the entire universe is really within within us, uh, you know, t- so to speak. But to make that jump from the more infantile uh, uh, sort of synthesis of the story to the higher philosophical purport takes a lot of inward contemplative assessment um, and synthesis. And so we cannot, you know, sort of expect this um, in every interaction that we have with our patients. Now, coming back to our patient, um, I think that it's important um, at a societal level that society tries to figure out what we determine as the best allocation of resources. Um, Because as a medical profession, we are responsible for resource allocation. We are responsible for the just use of resources. And we need to take a more global um, uh, viewpoint. Unfortunately, my opinion is, and this is my opinion alone, that we have sort of um, devolved into a very materialistic society we measure, and all human beings do this, we measure since the day we are born. We measure people by what they have um, materially. Um, and so if you want to be a success in the contemporary Western society, you should have a lot on your plate. Um, and that is considered a, a, a success in our current society. But if you're a, a spiritualist and you um, you know, know more about yourself, you take that inward journey, then you would be considered a failure. And if you bring this back to our patient, unfortunately, my opinion, my observation is the more we can do is considered a success rather than the outcome, which we are not going to be able to change. Um, and so I, I think if, if we're going to change this, it's going to take more than the philosophical understanding or the thinking part of it. It's got to really take a cultural shift. It's got to be a cognitive transformation at the highest level of our leadership in our society. This is um, so deep and it's so eloquently put, Nandan, that, you know, I, I completely understand where you're coming from and I, I completely resonate with what you've said. Um, but, you know, as you and I know, for someone who's practicing in the modern corporate capitalistic you know, United States of America, how, how do you try to 
move the needle um, in terms of your day-to-day work with patients, your day-to-day work as a physician leader, your day-to-day work with interacting with the leadership at your institution? How do you slowly start to move the needle to it being, um, you know, let's look at it from, you know, the big picture point of view. Let's look at it from the eagle's eye view as to how this looks. What are we really trying to achieve? What are we really trying to to do here? Rather than just making, you know, the eventuality a prolonged process for, for the patient and also for for the healthcare system, for physicians, for the family members, how do you execute this philosophical thinking, which is very beautiful, very deep, very eloquent, on a day-to-day basis? I think I think that's a that's a fantastic um, uh, 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 question, and I think it's sort of taking the the philosophy and shifting it to a perspective of practical value. Now, I think that um, in uh, in any philosophical study, I think that service unto others uh, brings the best out of, uh, of 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 each and every one of us. And so, I think that the best way to to inch forward is indeed just to inch forward. So, in my practice now, I've taken um, my position as program director as a means rather than the, the the position as an end. And so, I'm using the position as program director as a means to try to instill um, these profound questions in the fellows. Um, I also work in the CICU. So, uh, you know, um, the, the privilege of, of the service that I, I, I try to provide is looking after patients at the end of their life. And so within the context of the, the fellowship, um, we try to develop more community engagement uh, sort of uh, uh, programs. So, for example, we've developed a heart clinic that works with the Salvation Army Clinic um, um, as a free service. And so what's the purpose of that? The purpose is to show our trainees, our junior trainees who only know or, or who, are, who have been traditionally taught about the academics of practice, but to show them that our patients have different priorities, that resources are not the same. And so the resources that we see at the Mayo Clinic building is very difficult, for, is very, sorry, is very different from the resources that are seen in a, in a voluntary clinic basis. And that gets them to at least begin the question about what am I doing? Is it fair? Um, you know, how these resources are allocated? Um, how can we best change the system? So that begins with that spark, that question. Secondly, in the CCU, just on a day to day basis on rounds, we ask the question or, or I pose the question to the fellows, should we be doing what we're doing here? Um, yes, we have a you know problem with understanding the hemodynamics of a patient that's in front of us. The patient is 85 years old with uh, you know moderate dementia, um, multi-organ uh, dysfunction or, or failure, um, and someone brings up the question: Should we do a right heart cath and and you know make an assessment for advanced circuitry um, uh, therapies? And so we pose the question, should we be doing this? What is the endpoint? And at least asking the question, maybe nine out of 10 might move in the same direction as, yes, we need to do the procedure. But if it's just that single one person that that looks at the picture and says, hey, maybe we should be doing things differently, 
I think that's enough because that one person will propagate this anxiety or this question or this doubt. And that propagation itself, I think, forms the seed for change. Um, and as I mentioned uh, initially, I think I think the the change has to be it has to be cultural. It has to be at a societal level. But for that change to occur, it really has to begin at the ground, and it has to start very very slow and develop its inertia uh, before we see a change. This is excellent, and you know I'm I'm just elated to hear uh, what you can um, sort of execute. At- at at the level that you operate, you know, with with trainees and you know, trainees are um, like sponges, and they want to soak in everything that they hear, that they see, that they listen. And you know, that is when you start developing patterns of your practice. And I think if you can develop that cognitive thought process early on, as you are getting exposed to all the greatest and the latest stuff cardiology has to offer. Uh, to our patients, you know, to just to take a step back and, you know, ask yourself, yes, I have all these therapies at my, you know, at my disposal, should they even be used or be prescribed to the patient in front of me, I think is an important skill set, um, is an important cognitive skill set, which <clears throat> needs to be ushered in, you know, rather rapidly um, into cardiology and into everything, particularly interventional cardiology. Um, and even advanced heart failure and, and cardiac transplantation, you know, as we continue to move the needle forward when it comes to innovation and the invasiveness of what we can do to our patients or what we can offer them. Um, so Nandan, I, which I think this is, this is a very good segue into um, some of the work. I, I want to discuss some of the work that you've pioneered through the Global Cardiology University, which which I think is is, is a great concept, and, and that is to um, take the education out of the brick and mortar uh, system and put it at a place where there is um, global exchange, um, you know, amongst people who want to contribute um, and learn as well as share what they've learned with everyone else, um, and I think. What you and I have discussed in terms of forming a curriculum, um, particularly on this this topic of inner exploration and inner journey, is uh, you know for for someone like you to even think of having a curriculum, which if you know first of all thinking about it as you know like an an unmet need in in cardiovascular medicine, I thought was was brave. Um, and you know a, a, a provocative thought. So congratulations on that. And then uh, you know, but but to then extend it um, and take it a step further and and put it or at you know at least try and and you know uh, assemble an ensemble of topics um, which you know you think could be shared um, uh, through a platform like Global Cardiology University was 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 just you know mind-blowing to me so do you want to talk about do you, do you want to talk about that to our listenership a little bit maybe absolutely but but i have to correct you there uh, the the inspiration is actually you uh ankur i mean um you know i, I think what what has inspired the the thought behind um behind getting 
young trainees um, to to think differently, um, to take that inward journey, was entirely inspired by the work that you've done. Um, and I've I've read your articles in European Heart Journal. They're very thought provoking. Um, you know, the first uh, article that I read uh, regarding the Gita was actually brought to my attention um, by uh, w- one of our senior uh, sort of interventional cardiologists um, uh, at, at Mayo. And that's when I started following you. And then um, after we were introduced by a mutual friend, um, I got to thinking, um, why can't we um, elaborate on this and try to uh, develop an educational platform um, for 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 trainees across the world. Um, so before meeting you, we were doing a traditional. We we have been and we continue to work on a traditional curriculum, but with the vision of democratizing education, making a, a standard curriculum available to all trainees, regardless of their training program, and um, with an emphasis on those that have minimal resources. Now, after visiting with you, um, it, it just strikes me as natural and intuitive that we need to go beyond um, the basics or the mechanical part of our jobs. Uh, it's it's easy, I think, um, after some time to understand that if a valve doesn't work anymore, we need to fix it. <laughs> um, either we repair it or we replace it. Or if the coronary blood flow is reduced, we need to figure a way to improve it. Um, but the fundamental part of our practice uh, about any original work you take that's published, the one thing that will change the p-value on any one of those published uh, uh, works will be the time scale. Because if you change the time scale uh, by an amount, um, it will change the p-value. And what's the importance of that? The importance of the fundamental aspect of, that I'm getting at is everyone dies at some point. Okay. There is one disease that cannot be cured that has a hundred percent mortality, and that disease is life. If you want to see it in that way, if we want to see life as something to be celebrated and to be enjoyed, then we have to take a different viewpoint, and that's where that inward journey is fundamental. Because unless we take that inward journey, we're going to be scared about. Life. We're going to be scared because we see ourselves as this very small, minute um, entity in this vast universe. However, once we take that inward journey and we see the beauty of what life is about, the fact that we are beyond the inert material that makes up this uh, quantitative world that we're living in, then I think we can start to enjoy life. And then I truly, genuinely believe we can offer a service to the human beings that we care for that primarily come to us with health-related issues. And I think with that introspection, we can transcend beyond the care of the body, but also provide care and uh, care of the mind and actually start delivering good uh, behavioral trends within society. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, again, you know, thank you for thinking of me and, you know, thank you for um, having the pioneering thought of putting a curriculum together through, um, you know, the ages of the Global Cardiology University. And, you know, I um, can't wait to to get started on that on that project with you. And, you know, I think for 
for the listeners, um, you know, maybe um, if if someone who's who's listening to this uh, to this episode and and wants to start, like if if someone is really wanting to start the process of inner exploration and inner journey, what are some of the resources? And you know, I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, busy practicing clinicians, cardiologists, also you know, fellows in training, residents, house staff, you know, who have busy, busy lives. Um, I mean, I, I think for me, this process started when I had finished all my training and I was um, into my very first year as an attending physician. Uh, but for someone who um, wants to start early, um, particularly when I think you're so focused on, you know, uh, uh, acquiring more and more skills and certifications and fellowships to be the best possible trained cardiologist that you can be. How can our trainees um, imbibe upon this journey earlier? Uh, so the, I, I think, so this is a, it's, it's a, it's a two part question. Part one is, do you think trainees should imbibe on this journey? And if, if, if the answer is yes, how can they with, the busy lives that they they have or they lead already. So uh, I think that's a that's a great question. So question one: uh, Should should our trainees and, and I would extend that to 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 any human being should should we be um, starting our inward journey earlier? And the I think the straightforward answer to that is yes, uh, with a capital Y, capital E, capital S. Now I would frame this uh, using an analogy. When is it best to dig a well um, to have water uh, uh, ready uh, when you when you're building your house? Is it when you build a house, or is it once the fire starts on the house? Right. Um, so it's always best to be prepared for a crisis, um, so that when that crisis occurs, and and all of us go through crises, um, that we are best prepared for it. Now, at at the at the minimal level, what this inward journey does for 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 us is it strengthens our mind it steadies us um so that when um you know uh, events occur whether they are celebratory events or whether they are more unpleasant events that we are shaken a little less so i think that's that's the fundamental reason why i would advise that this inward journey begins as early as possible um for all, for all human beings. Now, how does one, well, to the, getting to the second part, how does one integrate uh, these uh, important, uh, or where, how does one start and, and how does one integrate that within a busy lifestyle? And I would answer that by a, a, a very, you know, uh, much used quote by my uh, by proxy teacher Swami Dayananda Saraswati, and I, and that is um, the value of a value depends on how much you value that value, right? Um, and if that inward journey is important to an individual, um, that individual will somehow find the time. The obstacles in front of that individual will start to seem smaller and smaller and smaller. I think our role as uh, leaders and as proponents of this uh, cognitive shift is to make available resources um, to make the journey 
not seem as formidable, um, and to invite an all-inclusive um, sort of setup or uh, space where people can feel safe to start the exploration. Now, for me, um, when I began, it was a little bit helter skelter um, because you know, I, I if, if I you know look back, it, it all began when you know, I lost a friend to suicide. Um, and then, you know, I was expecting my, my son and I started to think to myself, what am I doing? You know, um, I followed all the rules, um, and I become a physician. I've, you know, climbed the academic ranks. I should be happy and I'm not. Um, and that's where that first spark began for me. I started sort of really in a very convoluted manner, exploring all different religions. I found that all religions, uh, Abrahamic and Dharmic, basically tell us to to behave well. Um, and then I sort of became more focused. Um, and that's when I took the, the more inward uh, approach. But that, in my opinion, required a teacher. It was very difficult and, and very challenging to try to um, navigate things by myself. I really did need a teacher. Um, and so I went down a more traditional path. Um, and that, that began that journey of, of study, self-inquiry, changing my behavior to really focus on ethics. Um, I, I, every morning I, I begin my, my day with a prayer. Every evening I, I end it with a prayer. Um, and I keep a watch on myself to make sure that if, if somebody was watching me, would I be okay? Um, you know, to make sure that I'm walking the the straight and narrow in terms of an uh, ethical uh, uh, behavior. Um, and that's how it began for me. Um, it's not going to begin the same way for everyone else because everyone else is in a different spot. And if, if somebody is in a spot that they are valuing their income or they're valuing their lifestyle or they're valuing something else in their lives, um, they're not going to come to this. And, and I think that's okay. I, I think that's okay. We shouldn't feel... Uh, that is a failure. Um, but if we at least open the doors and create a, a, a space where people can freely explore this avenue of their lives, I think that's moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more that I think the, um, the, um, the, the catalyst, right. Um, for each one of us is going to be different. And, um, you know, as I'm, I'm sure in 2018, it was, it was a different catalyst for you as it, it was, it was for me, but, you know, I think there's a final common pathway and that final common pathway is the series of questions that we begin to ask, you know, why am I here? Who am I? You know, what is my place in this planet? Um, what is my, what is my role in this planet? You know, what is, what is the purpose of the life that I'm living? And, you know, I think all these deep philosophical questions, I think that's the final common pathway. Now you could, each one of us will have different catalysts that will lead us there. Um, and I, I do think, and I, you know, this is my own or has been my own experience, um, you know, at least in, 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 in the society in, in, within U.S. medicine, that um, I think anytime you start um, talking about these questions with um, you know, I think colleagues at large, I think people sort of start, you know, start rolling their eyes or, um, you know, they, they, they could, um, they could perceive that you're off to a tangent, you know, which, 
you know, I don't, I don't blame them. Like you said, you know, people are at different spots and different parts in their lives. And, um, but, I, but I, but I also think that there is, um, uh, there is that critical mass within, I mean, I, I don't even know medicine at large. I mean, I know cardiology, there is that critical mass of people who have reached this final common pathway, um, you know, and are, um, beginning to explore the intersection of this final common pathway within cardiovascular medicine. And I think it's beautiful, um, that journals like the European Heart Journal have paved the way for topics like these to be, you know, published in a high impact journal like the European Heart Journal. Um, because I'll be honest with you, some of the works that I've written and I've wanting to get and wanting to get these published in like top notch US journals has been a struggle. What what I would say though is what what you've published, I would argue, is still scientific. And and I think that that what what one thing we have to uh, make sure is that we don't want people to believe in the inward journey. We I think we want people to understand it. And understanding um, means that there needs to be a a, a journey of logic, uh, and and one thing that that I've I've found helpful is that you know especially and, and I think you you find the same way, we having gone through the journey of a very rigorous you know upbringing in terms of you got to perform well at school. We've all got a scientific background, but we're understanding now life from a different perspective, and we are still utilizing the same rigorous uh, sort of application of logic to understand things differently. And I think that, um, you know, it, it's very difficult to argue against the logical perspective and we're not asking anyone to believe. And I think that's the beauty of, of the articles that you've published because nobody can really argue against the, the conclusions that you've, you've come to. And, and I, I think that's, that's the beauty. I think it, it, that's what triggers that cognitive transformation. Yeah, I know. Again, you know, thanks for bringing, um, some of the works that I've published uh, into this, into this discussion. You know, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm honored to, to be, to be honest with you. But, you know, I think where I was getting at was that there is that critical mass within cardiology where people do feel the need that these topics should be brought to the fore and discussed. Um, and I think, you know, people like yourself who are at, you know, influential positions when it comes to, leading a, a leading a program um as the program director for you know arguably one of the finest cardiovascular disease fellowship training programs you know if not in the world certainly in the country um i think you you are at a great position to to usher in this this change and to start talking more about this topic um and to influence the future generation of trainees and cardiologists to to develop and explore um and sort of build uh, you know, on this field. So, you know, maybe for the, the final few minutes that, that are left on the, on the show. And again, Nandan, thank you so much for doing this for us. Um, what would be, what would be your closing remarks for, uh, you know, trainees and, you know, program directors and, and cardiologists at large, you know, busy practicing clinicians, not only in the U S not only in, in the UK, not only in India. And these are, you know, our top three countries where, you know, we're downloaded, but, you know, across the globe, what would be some of the overarching messages from this conversation? So I think the, the first thing is that um, 
the, the most easy thing to when we start looking inward, uh, the, the easiest thing, um, and I'll leave this for, for the contemplation of, of the listeners, is I would argue that we are really driven by measuring. And so ask yourselves, um, how do we measure? We, you know, by looking at a person, how they're dressed, we measure them up. And no matter how we measure other people, we measure ourselves to a standard uh, that at times may be unreasonable. So, so that's the first thing I would ask our listeners to do. Look inward and ask yourself, uh, you know, how good are you at measuring people? And I bet you're going to be uh, surprised at how good you are. Then the next challenge is to ask the question, how important is it to measure somebody? Okay. Because by using these measuring tools, we then divide our world into a pair of opposites, um, into a pair of likes and dislikes, um, into a, a world of wrongs and rights, um, and uh, into a world uh, where these sort of perspectives um, are only but perspectives. So ask yourselves, what is the purpose of every experience that I have? Because if every experience we divide into polar opposites, a celebratory experience, everyone, you know, enjoys that. A unpleasant experience, we wring our hands and we, you know, we, we go on to the next experience. So the question is, what is the purpose of these experiences? And I would argue that our lives are nothing but a series of experiences and each experience should be equated to a lesson. So whether we have a pleasant or an unpleasant experience, I think our question or our response should no longer be, oh, why is this happening to me? But what can I learn from this so that I can grow to the next level? Those would be the fundamental two challenges that I would have for our listeners. And then starting from that, I hope that it sparks or triggers more questions. And I hope that these seeds or these questions will evolve into more discussion. And then from those discussions, that we all learn more about ourselves. Yeah, no, I, you know, you've, you've ended this so beautifully, Nandan. I think you, you've touched upon the, the concepts of, um, you know, duality and non-duality, which uh, I'm sure you understand, uh, but for the, for the listenership, maybe completely, you know, new terms. So I think I would encourage everyone to look up, you know, the, the non-dualistic ways of thinking, uh, which, uh, you know, of course, the the Bhagavad Gita, uh, you know, teaches, and, and then obviously you've talked about uh, living from from a place of equanimity, where um, you know you no longer measure your life with um, the number of successes or failures, however you want to define them, uh, but from from a place of uh, you know what has this experience taught me. Uh, you know, in, in my evolutionary path. So no, again, you know, Nandan, this is, this has been fantastic. This has been soul curry for me. Uh, and, you know, I hope that it will be for everyone who, who listens to this when this comes out, you know, hopefully um, as soon as possible. And, um, you know, I can't wait to have more such conversations with you, but thank you again for, for being our guest on Parallax. This, this is truly uh, an amazing privilege. Um, and it's it's been a, an amazing highlight uh, for me. Um, 
more more fun and more meaningful than uh, the traditional talks that I've <laughs> I've given in the past. This, I think this is truly important, and and I want to congratulate you for all you've done. Um, and I want to say um, on the record here, um, you know what what you've written um, and 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 our conversations have been impactful and meaningful for me. Um, and I, I really truly see it as a blessing. So thank you very much. No, no, thanks again. And th- uh, thank you for, for being such, um, collaborative force. And, you know, I, I just can't wait to, to work with you, um, you know, more, um, on this, um, this journey of, uh, inner discovery and exploration, but, you know, thanks again. Thank you, Ankur. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. We aim to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology every second week. Review us on your favourite podcast app or send your comments or questions to podcast at ratcliffe-group.com. To view the series, head to radcliffecardiology.com forward slash podcasts forward slash parallax. Thanks for listening.